Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Paul, thanks for joining us this morning. Well, thank you, Thanks Tara. It's really a pleasure to you be here. You can get more podcasts you for by subscribing on iTunes. Of course. Or your favorite so you get to, we get to start by having you introduce yourself and tell us all where, where you are right now. Well, I am Paul Evers. I'm co-founder and CEO of Riff Cold Brewed. We're a cold brewed coffee company out of Bend, Oregon. And I am right now uh, calling in from our tap room, which is the brand epicenter for Riff. This is where we perform a lot of our experimentation, developing uh, innovations and new products, new beverages, uh, and then we share them with our customers. We've got a pilot brewing system here. Um, innovation is, is uh, our cornerstone. My background really is I was in creative services, um, graphic design, advertising, ran an agency with a couple of really good friends in Bend for about 18 years, and we worked on a wide range of categories, Mm -hmm. but developed a specialization in craft beverage, Mm. Uh, and worked on uh, branding, uh, building the brands of some really incredible craft breweries, including Deschutes Brewery and yeah. 20, 21st Amendment Brewery. We we built the brand of Hum Kombucha, uh-huh. and this all sparked um, a passion and an interest in migrating from creative services and brand building over to the operational production side of the business. One of the things that I loved the most about the space of craft beverage is uh, that it elevated the relationship with the consumer above transactional, uh, where consumers felt the sense of ownership, uh, which was meaningful. So that's what excited me most about kind of being more up, uh, more of an integral, playing more of an integral role on the production side. And so I co-founded, along with some other really good friends, a craft brewery in Bend called Crux Fermentation Project, which I like to think is one of the most highly respected, regarded craft breweries in the Pacific Northwest. And one of the, one of the things I think we excelled at is creating an experience at the tasting room um, with a large outdoor area, uh, which people I think refer to now as more of a craft beer park, but creating an experience <laughs> that was um, you know, meaningful to our fans who came to visit us, build a new brand um, in, you know, outside of the alcohol category, so a non-alc, mm-hmm. um, be able to build it with some really incredible, uh, incredibly capable um, friends and uh, new friends, uh, and then also have the opportunity to build something with my son, mm. um, who I've been working with for a number of years. Uh, his name is Bobby. So I started asking uh, people in the beverage industry what the most exciting categories were, what was emerging. Uh, and so there were two that came, that were most frequently mentioned. One was kombucha and the other was cold brewed coffee. Mm-hmm. And so we started ideating around the idea of building a cold brewed coffee uh, company. 
it is really so when you're you're telling your story you said i'm going to start a brand you didn't say i got this great food product and i'm going to start selling it and it's such an interesting thing because most food entrepreneurs come at it from the food point of view like that's their goal right is in the beginning and they they don't realize that they're building they're actually building a brand and so in a way you're way ahead because you're idea in the beginning was to build a brand. Brand is the um, sort of the code for the relationship between the producer and the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, and I encourage people to think about it being a, sort of an incredibly efficient vehicle for establishing that an emotional relationship with a customer, with a consumer, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, a really good brand is, is really good at that. Um, yeah, so you were way ahead when you started because you thought brand, and then that's your background, so you know how to build brands. That's awesome. And then how to? Then there's this other element to, to your story is a family business. So going into business with your son, what's that like? Having a family member as a partner, um, Probably the spectrum ranges from really super challenging to really super delightful. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's, uh, uh, you know, at the peak of the delightful side. And that is wow. because he's a really good human being. Um, I can have honest conversations with him. Uh, you know, one of the things that we discussed very early on is making sure that the father-son relationship was preserved. So right. we instituted a practice of getting together uh, for coffee hmm. every um, Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. uh, not at Riff, but somewhere else. Uh, and it would be an hour, hour and a half of father-son visiting, uh, no business. That, that was the guideline. That's the rule. So yeah. otherwise, business has a way of sort of, um, you know, infiltrating every uh, conversation or every interaction you might have with somebody who's your business partner. Right, so, right. So we we work hard to preserve that, and we both value the father-son, the familial relationship over the business relationship. Yeah. But uh, but we work really well together, and you know the two of us are just part of an incredible team of founders and executives. We have an amazing team around Riff, which I think is the thing that I'm most proud of is the the people that we've been able to. Um, invite and uh, who excitedly joined uh, the cause of Riff. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That is great. I mean, I, I, when I work with family businesses, I will always say I am in awe of the ability to be in business with people in your family because I've run, you know, I did the Tara's Way thing. I had investors. I had no family in it. That was hard. Before that, I ran a company. I had it was not an investor company with a hundred year. Well, we did have investors, I guess, by shareholders, but it is a hundred year old company. It's a really different dynamic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two scenarios were hard enough. I didn't have family issues to have to sort of, and relationships to preserve and your idea of having this intentional space for you to be a dad and a and a son together is brilliant i think to help with that you know because yeah. otherwise you're right it'll, it just gets totally absorbed 
there's always going to be, you know, these pressing matters that, that want to, totally. you know, come to the tip of your tongue, you know? Yeah. You know, and we work with farmers too, and they're, then you're living on the farm and yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. So, so kudos to you for managing that. Um, so did you start, so when did you start Riff? Was this? Well, Riff was started as an idea in yeah. late 2016. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, um, I think I'm pretty good at understanding what my core competencies are, what my capabilities are, and what my weaknesses are. And mm -hmm. so started socializing the idea uh, with some good friends that I thought could play a, a really critical role in the business. And I uh, had a conversation with a good friend, Steve Barham, who had moved to Bend recently. I think just a couple of years prior to that, he was a top executive at LinkedIn at the time. He was um, an amazing team member and he had already expressed interest in migrating from technology, which is, you know, parents didn't understand to something, you know, producing something that they could enjoy. So, you know, mm -hmm. they could finally be proud of him and in the work that he was doing. Uh, had a, a good friend and, and a, a gentleman, Kevin Smith, who I'd worked with actually closely for about 20 years. And he had a business acumen that would add strength to the the founding team. He was he worked closely with me at the branding agency, and mm -hmm. uh, I actually had was a primary architect of the business plan for Crux, what became the craft brewery I spoke of, Crux Fermentation right. Project. We of course needed somebody to make uh, who knew how to make cold brewed coffee, so right. we were able to recruit uh, Nate Armbrust, who is one of the preeminent pioneers in the cold brewed coffee space. He was at Stumptown. Uh, head of product mm -hmm. development, yeah. uh, innovation, uh, and cold brew brewing operations. But he he is a pioneer of cold or uh, of nitro cold brews. So that's now featured in all fourteen thousand you know Starbucks cafes sure, across the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Actually, the first thing that I wanted to do because coffee was a new category for me. Mm -hmm. uh, was to understand how coffee was grown and you know, where it comes from. So Bobby mm -hmm. and I, in January of 2017, we ventured off to Columbia to spend a couple of weeks touring small independent coffee farms. Uh -huh. And that was an, that was an incredible, incredible experience. experience. Yeah. We were inspired, um, pretty, pretty fundamentally early on by, uh, we went to Cartagena. We spent a, a few days in Cartagena just uh -huh. to have a little vacation component to the to the work trip and we took a walking tour of Cartagena and our tour guide uh, Miguel he um, he told us well if you're interested in getting into coffee you really should go and visit um, this cafe uh, where mm. the owner David uh, is really you know an innovator in the coffee space and doing really kind of crazy wild things. Uh -huh. So he directed us to this little cafe, you know, off the beaten path. And uh, we went in there and the, you know, what was behind the counter did not look like what you see at a Starbucks or another coffee house here in the U.S. But it looked more like, um, you know, a, a fairly small um, lab. Mm. With <laughs> with dozens of bottles and a stovetop and, uh, you know, working with all kinds of crazy ingredients and methodologies that were unfamiliar uh, to us in the U.S. 
And, uh, you know, he gave us a tour. Uh, it was crazy and inspiring. Um, he incorporated coffee into cocktails and, was, you know, was smoking cinnamon and infusing that into the liquid. Yeah. And then also had jars of whole coffee cherries, so the whole fruit that he uh -huh. was fermenting. And hmm. so, and he, he shared with us his version of nitro cold brew. Um, mm -hmm. So we were super inspired by what he was doing yeah. uh, there in Colombia. Yeah. Yeah. So then you came back with the, all fired up. We came, we came back fired up and, and caffeined up probably. Yeah, right? yeah probably. <laughs> fired up in more ways than one. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so you came back and you, you already had assembled this great business team. Um, so did they, those folks become your partners? Is that how this all got yeah. off the ground? Or? Yeah, the, the cast of characters that I described to you are, are all the founding partners uh -huh. uh, uh, in RIF. And yeah. our vision and what we were super passionate about was celebrating 100% of the the value, the agricultural value of the coffee plant. And mm -hmm. so initially we identified four different varieties of coffee that arrived at flavor profiles that we, you know, we thought would be most exciting uh, for mm -hmm. consumers. And so we've got one that's called Paint the Town and it's got notes of blueberry and Bing cherry. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a naturally processed coffee out of Ethiopia. And then we also have a South American coffee uh, called Off the Cuff, uh, which has what people most expect in coffee, but really wonderful notes of dark chocolate and toffee. Off the Cuff is also certified organic. Oh, nice. Which is great. We also have Arm and Arm, which is really a wonderful light and bright. It's almost tea-like. It's an Ethiopian uh -huh. uh, cold brewed coffee. It's not the natural process like Paint the Town, where you get the notes of of blueberry, but uh, Arm and Arm is, you know, stone fruit and uh, red berry, mm -hmm. uh, and, but it's really a refreshing cold mm. brew. And then we have what we're calling Southpaw, which is hmm. um, half the caffeine of our other uh, cold brew coffees. And mm -hmm. at half the caffeine, it's 10 and a half ounces and it's got 150 milligrams of caffeine in it. So it's still you know, packs a little bit of a wallop. They say, um, you know, a cup of coffee on average is about 100 milligrams of caffeine. So you can use that as sort of the, the benchmark. A, yeah. So is your, um, if I were to come and visit you, would I see kind of like your version of the, the place you went in Colombia with a whole bunch of products being made? And is that what it's like to come visit you? That is what it's like. Um, it's just maybe a little bit more orderly. If I see <laughs> a picture of this place, it was um, it was chaotic, which was wonderful in, yeah. in, a, in a way. But we've got a 60-gallon pilot brewing system that was custom designed and fabricated for us to mm -hmm. Nate's standards for brewing mm -hmm. and his process and methodology. Uh, we've got a, a really an incredible tap system. We have 30 independent tap towers, the products of our friends in the craft beverage industry. So we have craft beer that we're offering. We mm. have kombucha, cider, wine, and we've, we've um, 
actually worked on several collaborations with our friends in the craft brewing industry, which has been mm -hmm. really wonderful. So yeah, it's one of the things that's hard for people who, um, <clears throat> you know, the transition from having a physical space when you're where you can kind of be the mad scientist and have 20 different flavors and isn't that so awesome to going into national distribution or regional distribution and you realize, huh, I can only take a limited number of SKUs because you'd have to be infinitely wealthy if you're going to support, you know, 20 SKUs. Yeah. So yes. how did you expensive. pick your four? Well, it was really, you know, we did you know, some sensory testing of uh -huh. a wide range of coffees and landed on those four, um, you know, it, it's all, at that point it was speculative. We think that this is what excites us the most and this yeah. is also what we think is going to excite the consumer the mm -hmm. most. Uh, the, from our perspective, you know, we don't, we don't make things for our own delight. We make things uh, for the delight of our customers. So right. the customer is in the driver's seat and that's why one of the reasons why the tap room is so important to us because we can do experimental small batch brews. We can push it across the tap system within 36 to 48 hours and get feedback from people. So this right. is really our R&D center. This is our consumer engagement center. This is where we invite people in uh, and they can see what we're, what we're up to provide input and then, then we can learn from that and then graduate to package. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the things that we were really, we are super passionate about is really celebrating coffee's full potential. That's what this is all about. And we don't know exactly where that's going to lead us. We don't know mm -hmm. what we're going to discover within coffee that, you know, defies the norm, the standard, uh, the old playbook. Uh, we're, we're a, you know, culturally oriented towards tearing up the playbook and looking at, you know, what's ahead. And so we, we, we actually developed a product here uh, that ended up having just, a, a, you know, a significant impact on how we understood coffee and a significant impact on our our set of values and our significant, significant in impact on what our sense of purpose was. And I'd, I'd love to tell you that story. Yeah, no, please do. Nate, uh, you know, had, had some exposure to the category of Cascara. Are you familiar with that? No, tell me about it. Okay. So, um, you know, when, it, when we went down to Columbia, Bobby and I went down to Columbia and we, we visited these small independent coffee farmers. We saw how coffee was grown. We knew that, you know, there's a red, what they call cherry, um, you know, on the plant. That's what uh, the coffee plant produces. Mm -hmm. But we didn't fully understand what all the different parts of that, uh, that fruit was uh, and uh, what the anatomy of the, you know, I guess the anatomy of the fruit. So what we learned is, is that, you know, coffee as we know it, coffee beans are actually not beans, but they're a two-headed seed mm. that sits inside of a fruity pulp, mm -hmm. uh, which the industry refers to as cascara. Mm -hmm. We uh, tend to call it just by generic descriptive term of coffee fruit. But so when we pick the, the cherries off the trees when we're on this tour, and we, they, they showed us how you can you know, de-pulp uh, the seed or the bean in your mouth and um, just took in 
the flavor of that fruit and I was stunned it had it tasted like an apple hmm. and it, it was somewhat starchy and I was really surprised that that fruit had just a completely different flavor profile than coffee the coffee beans themselves so it's like uh, you know yeah. develop this this analogy if you can imagine taking fruits like an avocado an apricot or a plum and extracting the pits to make an incredible beverage out of it, mm -hmm. and then throwing away the fruit. Right, this, right. This is, this is what's happening in coffee and what's been happening in coffee for generations because, you know, what was, if you go to Yemen, if you go to Central America or Ethiopia, uh, the, the beverage that is brewed from the fruity pulp that surrounds the bean is popular. But what's mm. become popular globally is the beverage that's derived from the roasted mm -hmm. seed or bean called coffee. So mm -hmm. uh, what's amazing is we were experimenting with this uh, cascara in our pilot system in our tap room and started brewing um, what we called Alter Ego. We named it Alter Ego because it's known as coffee's lesser known counter right, counterpart right, yeah. or coffee's Alter Ego. And started, uh, you know, pouring samples across the, you know, the tap system and sharing with consumers. And they were blown away. Yeah. People are blown away because this beverage is completely different than coffee. It's naturally sweet. It's naturally caffeinated. Huh. And it has uh, significant, the, the raw material, the raw ingredient has significant nutritional value. Huh. So we, we experimented with it here. And... Um, that, that uh, was received with such enthusiasm, uh, as I was mentioning before, you know, let's experiment, uh, let's improve, iterate, learn, and right. then migrate that to package. So we now have uh, Alter Ego in, um, in cans. And wow. so we have, we have the original flavor, which is basically the cascara flavor, or the coffee fruit flavor. And then we've taken real fruit juice and real fruit juice puree and developed flavor extensions. So we have a blackberry, which is, mm. um, you know, it's, it's like um, Oregon's favorite berry. Right. Uh, and, and then we have guava passion fruit, which, um, you know, is very tropical. Mm -hmm. And so it's natural. It's our natural energy drink. Um, hmm. But when, you know, we experimenting with this, learning from it, and getting consumer feedback was enough to advance the idea to package. But when we started learning and researching more and more what was happening at source, because we heard, um, you know, that cascara, if it's not, you know, translated into food or beverage, is uh, composted and translated into fertilizer. Uh, but then we started learning more and more about um, actually what's happening at source because there's a lack of demand uh, for cascara right. as an ingredient. And um, learning about, you know, where, where it ends up. In some cases, um, the, the fruit after the beans have been, you know, depulped from the mm -hmm. fruit uh, is ending up in waterways. Mm -hmm. um, it's ending up in landfills, and the magnitude of this waste, we estimate uh, that 
you know, last year there's about 25 billion pounds of green coffee produced for export. Oh, yeah. Which, which means there was about 100 billion pounds yeah. of this fruit because the fruit actually represents 60 to 80 percent of the, of, the, of the whole fruit, the fruity pulp that surrounds sure. the beans. The, the beans themselves represent only about 20 percent of the weight of the coffee cherry off the tree. Uh, we became uh, concerned about this and uh, were surprised and shocked, actually, um, that there wasn't more information, uh, mm -hmm. more study that's been uh, centered around the magnitude of waste and the environmental impact. So we actually have, uh, we're just wrapping up a study that we sponsored with the universe, or Oregon State University uh -huh. uh, with their environmental sciences program we have. A student who's already had already has a PhD is being supervised by a senior climate change scientist, and um, did a comprehensive study. It's getting ready uh, to publish here in the next 30 days, and it uh, you know the estimated magnitude of waste, uh, as I mentioned. So you have about 100 billion pounds of this fruit that surrounds the bean um, is thrown to waste, and um, you know, about 70% of that, or 70% of that 100 billion pounds is thrown to waste. And it, it, that, you know, when it's not properly managed, um, mm -hmm. that uh, has the propensity to generate up to over 13 million metric tons of uh, CO2 equivalent uh, mm -hmm. as it sits in a, in a landfill. Um, and that's, that's about the same level of emissions as about 14 billion pounds of coal mm. or 3 million passenger cars uh, yeah. over, the, over the course crazy? of the year. The it magnitude is, of that is astonishing. It, it is astonishing. Uh -huh. And most people, you know, they, when they think, if you ask somebody, you know, does, does coffee contribute to climate change? They would, they would say, uh, you know, a lot of people would say yes, probably because of the... Uh, you know the carbon footprint of right, transportation, transportation and yeah. distribution, mm -hmm. and then also consumption. But the lion's share of the, its impact on climate change actually happens at source, mm -hmm. with the lack of the capacity to manage or um, process mm -hmm. uh, this fruit pulp that surrounds the bean. So we're um, we're now on a mission to. Um, you know, to reverse coffee's impact on climate change. And, you know, a lot of people talk about um, the triple bottom line. Uh, we we want to add one more dimension to that and talk about the quadruple bottom yeah. line. So we've got people, planet, and profits in balance with each other. But the, one of the concerns that we have is really the sustainability of the coffee industry itself. So we're adding right. that as, as a consideration. Yeah. Well, isn't there, I, I mean, I had no idea. So this is, this is really great to know about Cascara. I, I'm thinking about, you know, basically lots of fruit are like that. And I hadn't thought about the fact that coffee was the seed, right? Um, yeah. And then I've been hearing lots because of climate change that, that um, the, Coffee growers are having problems anyway. Yeah, they're having problems with disease and then elevating temperatures. Mm -hmm. I was listening to, I don't know if you've heard Michael Pollan's latest book, Caffeine. It's an audio yeah. book. 
But yeah. he cites he cites recent research that states that up to fifty percent of the usable land, the, the land that's currently being used for coffee production, mm -hmm. up to fifty percent of it will be eliminated by twenty fifty because of right. increasing temperatures. Yeah. Because coffee coffee's grown, we know that it's grown, you know, um, in a certain zone mm -hmm. uh, at the equator, and it, it is grown in a very narrow window of uh, temperatures. So right. um, as temperatures are rising, it's forcing coffee farmers to move their crops higher and higher in elevation. That's not, that's not an easy proposition when you're talking about the, the majority of coffee is produced by small independent farmers. Sure. Then you think about, you know, the fact that they're taking arguably the better half of the coffee plant and having to throw it to waste because there's no right. demand. Right. So you've got this economic pressure um, at a, in, a, in a period now where commodity pricing is the lowest it's been in over a decade. Um, right. There are, some, there are some estimates that say it costs a, a farmer about 19 cents per pound to produce and process coffee for export green coffee. Uh -huh. And they're commanding about 17 cents a pound. Yeah. So it's economically not viable for them. And then you have the threat of disease right. and, and climate change on top of it. So our, our... So cascara is really important. I mean, this is reminding me of Tara's way because, you know, way is what's left over when you make cheese, right? And yeah. we were land spreading goat way anyway there was already a market for for cow way but yeah it was the byproduct that that ended up being more valuable than the actual original product that's exactly right yeah, yeah. so are you launching alter ego now uh we were launching alter ego at yeah. expo west which was canceled which you was know, canceled so right it's the largest natural product show in the world. I think yeah. 130 countries represented uh, 90,000 people. Yeah. And we were one of 10 semifinalists for the pitch slam because yeah. of Alter Ego. Yeah. And, and this story. Uh, yeah. So we, um, yeah, we've launched it. It is shelf stable. Nice. Um, we, it has a, a um, more than, I think it's got a nine-month shelf life, which is conservative. So... Is it in uh, a glass bottle, or what is the packaging? It's in a sleek can. Okay, uh, so in a it's can. a twelve Got it. twelve ounce can. Uh huh. Each, each twelve ounce can has about hundred milligrams of caffeine. Uh huh. And we, um, what what excites us about this is that the, you know, we're looking at the energy drink space, mm -hmm. uh, which is projected to be about twenty five a, a twenty five billion dollar category by twenty twenty five. Right. Um, and then also looking beyond that to functional uh, mm -hmm. beverage space uh, yeah. and looking at adding other functional benefits to Alter Ego because it provides a really, the flavor profile provides a really nice base for flavor extensions and for mm -hmm. adding functional extensions. But the growth of that natural energy, clean energy space is right. really, that is driven by, you know, younger generations, millennials, Gen Zers uh, who are seeking out good for you, good for the planet mm -hmm. products. And right. um, the, the cool thing about Alter Ego and the 
the energy functional benefit that it provides is that there's no crash associated with it. You get a nice lift and it's sustained. It's interesting because I think that the natural consumer, I mean, the story of Cascara and the, it, what sounds like the, what you're going to be able to do with flavors is going to appeal to the natural consumer for whom, you know, drinking, drinking caffeine just for the virtue of drinking caffeine it may not exactly fit, right? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. We, we want it to be healthy. We want it to be have some benefit other than this just straight shot of caffeine. That's exactly right. So, you know, I think what we see is now our mission is we have to develop a product that's going to have a very high promise of mass adoption because mm -hmm. that's the only way we can have significant positive impact mm -hmm. in reversing coffee's contribution to climate change. and. Right. and you know, contributing to greater sustainability for coffee farmers and for the coffee industry as a whole. So mm -hmm. Alter Ego is a member of 1% for the planet with 1% of uh, gross revenues being donated to nonprofits in coffee growing regions with a mm -hmm. focus on the environment. Right. Nice. Well, and, you know, so way back, um, uh, I, it's got to be maybe five, six years ago. Um, so I've been judging for the pitch slam. So that's how I met you, right? And yeah, um, and I've uh, for a while. And there's a company in there called Regrained, um, who was was taking spent grains from the craft brewery industry yep. and making them palatable, and then making consumer products out of it. And you know, fast forward several years, that um, that company has relationships with the very big brewing companies because they're solving a real problem for the bigger brands. And it sounds to me like um, Alter Ego has got the same potential, uh, right? It, because it, yeah, because not, big brands realize they got a problem. They just don't yeah. know what to do with it. Yes. It, yeah. If not more, really, yeah. you know. Uh, when you look at coffee as being uh, one of the largest agricultural uh, traded commodities in the world. Um, yeah, isn't that something? You know, food waste is a real issue. Of course uh, it is, yeah. Right, you've got the environmental impact, and then you mm -hmm. also have the, the loss of, you know, the waste of, you know, something that has significant nutritional value. Right. So we're... We are members of the Upcycled Food Association as well, and uh -huh. we're working with them. Um, uh -huh. yeah, Regrained is also a member of the Upcycled yeah, Food yeah. Association. Mm -hmm. so we're, we're working with um, the Upcycled Food Association. We've also reached out to all of our peers in the, in the coffee space that are also producing Cascara beverages to form a trade group mm -hmm. uh, to help establish the category. Yeah, um, this is something you know, we can't do alone. We're so we're right. reaching out, working with others. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you can, you can be a, um, you know, if you bring technology and you bring some of your new product development expertise and you bring all the marketing expertise you have, you can really advance it. Right, that, more that's than the, other people can. Yeah, yeah, that's our objective. And that's so exciting. Everybody that I've talked to in the space that's producing cascara beverages or food, actually, so there's there's a company out of uh, Seattle, the Seattle area called the Coffee Cherry Co, 
which is taking this dried cascara uh -huh. and grinding it to different uh, grades, levels. Uh -huh. um, and one of their products is a flour that you can use to, to make baked goods with. And oh, we, interesting, yeah. We took that and, and made some banana bread, and each slice of banana bread actually has 50 milligrams of caffeine. So you got the, the nutritional benefit. Mm -hmm. And because we're incorporating you know, the ground whole ingredient, uh, it actually, you know, all the nutritional value, uh, there's vitamins, minerals, antioxidants that are inherent in coffee fruit that are then translated to that banana bread. So there's, you know, there's quite a range of products that can be developed uh, yeah. from Cascara. Mm -hmm. And um, every, everybody that I've talked to, other brands that are producing Cascara products have been very enthusiastic about forming this trade association. No, that makes a lot of sense because there's going to be a lot of it, that, you know. Uh, so are you, is, is, so you're already in, in distribution with Riff and now you're going to just follow along with Alter Ego or how is that working? Uh, yeah, we are in distribution with Riff. We're in yep. the state of Oregon. Uh, we're also, we're with UNFI. So uh -huh. uh, in two of their distribution centers, one in Northern California and one in Southwest Washington. So we're uh -huh. uh, with UNFI. We're in Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, uh, parts of Alaska, Washington. In some spots in the state of Oregon, we're also, we have a DSD distributor in the state of Oregon. Uh, who's doing a, a fantastic job for us, and then, mm -hmm. and then in Northern California. But we're looking to expand to Southern California, mm -hmm. uh, looking at uh, you know parts of Arizona, uh, Nevada. Uh, but we're in distribution with our cold brew coffees. Alter Ego is um, because it is so new, disruptive, and exciting, uh, and in a space that you know is is growing at a at a pretty good clip. Uh, Alter Ego is really kind of like our Trojan horse, I guess, when yeah. we go to market. Yeah. But but there's still a lot of excitement around the, of course, the the cold brewed coffees. Sure, sure. So um, so your is Alter Ego in distribution in UNFI now? Yes, it is in it UNFI. Is, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, just recently, Kehi. Kehi took can, you in too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. With with Alter Ego. Yeah. So is your, I'm assuming your plan is to take this nationally. That's our plan. And so uh -huh. our plan, you know, our objective. So I, I mentioned earlier that when we stumbled upon um, Alter Ego and got significant excitement from customers who visited us in our tap room mm -hmm. and then learned about the magnitude of impact of waste. Right. Um, you know, we became... You know, that had an indelible impact on our sense of purpose. And so right. our mission is to um, reduce, reverse uh, coffee's contribution to climate change while providing something super exciting mm -hmm. to consumers in a category that is growing so that we can have maximum impact. Um, you know, I, f I forgot to mention also that Alter Ego is available um, e-commerce on our own oh, website. Oh, sure, yeah. And, and then on Amazon. Uh-huh, you, you can pick it up on Amazon. We have all three flavors plus a variety pack. So if you want to sample them, oh, um, nice. we've yeah. got a nice little variety pack that you can pick up on Amazon. One of the things we love about Amazon is there's accommodation for a significant amount of you know consumer education. So you can learn 
all oh, about yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you can learn about the the raw ingredient and the impact yeah so were you on um, Amazon before COVID or is this a COVID pivot thing uh, we uh -huh. were on Amazon just prior to COVID and yeah. we're we're so grateful for that I think isn't that I crazy as a gift yeah so yeah you know of of course with covid and you know the the major shifts in consumer shopping behavior you know they're going to the grocery store to to pick to fill their pantry and grocery stores are also you know have been hyper focused on throughput efficiency behind staple products um right. we've now you know we're we've got a major push behind e-commerce so we're mm -hmm. We're revamping our website to uh, provide a, a more elegant, um, efficient e-commerce experience for consumers. Mm -hmm. um, and and as I said, uh, you know, alter ego shelf stable, so we can ship it ambient. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, so you're a perfect product for for e-com. Yeah, the, yeah, our cold brewed our cold brewed coffee is because of our commitment to integrity. Uh, that is all cold chain, so it's it needs to be treated. Yeah, it needs to be treated like dairy. So that's that's so crazy, you know, because I think people who people who weren't on Amazon before COVID hit have had a hard time just getting into the whole system. For a while, Amazon wasn't even taking new things. In food, was a little different, but they had to view you as essential. And so it sounds like this was very fortuitous that you had gotten on right before COVID hit. Yeah, it was fortuitous, that's for sure. And we, yeah. you know, in, during COVID, you know, what we've decided to do is adopt a generative mindset versus a regressive mindset. Of uh -huh. course, we need to adjust. Right. But we're, we're actively seeking, you know, where are the opportunities? Um, mm -hmm. How can we get in touch and in tune and understand what consumers are seeking, which is, um, you know, it's changing i think every day every week uh, across the country yeah yeah exactly exactly and i i'm i'm with you i don't i i don't think the consumer is ever going to go back to entirely where they were because they've discovered there are other ways to get food and there are other now we've spent time online learning about brands right and you know if you're not transparent and and walking the talk people have done their research now yes I, the the internet has been super empowering for consumers you know and i think you know what i see the impact of covid what it has done is really it's just accelerated probably the you know the migration that would have taken another five years over mm -hmm. to uh comfort with online buying yeah it's just accelerated because it's forced people to do it. And then the result is they're more comfortable with yeah. it. And of course, you know, entrepreneurs are going to adapt and make sure that they're providing a heightened experience online. And so the, the result is, is that I think we're going to see a, a lion's share of the migration over to online is going to be long term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have to, you know, we have to recognize that. Yeah, no, and adapt and get good at it. And, yeah, suddenly, you know, learning how to navigate Amazon is like its own puzzle, right? It's, it's, um, it requires a whole skill set just to do that, never mind the, all the other possibilities with e-com. And, and, you know, alter ego in particular, the, the value proposition is 
so compelling, and I think it'll be very compelling to people and so innovative, right, that um, it's a great way to start pushing things out nationally and then let the, let the conventional distribution catch up. Yeah, we love, you know, Alter Ego because it's Cascara-based, actually. So the, the flavor profile for Cascara is completely new, you know. Uh -huh. So um, it's, it's, it's familiar or it's similar to other things. It's got notes of dried fruit or apricot and some lemon. But it's completely new and different. And mm -hmm. I love the idea of being able to introduce consumers to something completely new. We, you know, when we thought we knew everything, right? We knew right, what everything right. tasted like. We're still discovering new and different flavors and products uh, based on, you know, raw ingredients that just have never been presented properly yeah. to consumers in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So our, you know, so you start a company thinking you're going to be doing cold brew and now you have this um, cascara thing that you know could be a way bigger opportunity um are you is this changing your thinking about how much money you think you need to raise in order to grow the company well it, it is it is changing that you know and and being an early stage company we're um you know we're of course uh you know raising investor capital mm -hmm. and um yeah we're seeing it as uh you know, I think because it's ambient, uh, mm -hmm. it's shelf-stable, uh, and we think that the, you know, the time is right with the, you know, what consumer preferences are and what they're seeking and what they're demanding. Yeah. Uh, the time is right to expand uh, more quickly to national distribution because we have, you know, a shelf-stable product. Right. Um, so, yes, it is. It is, um, it is changing the way we're seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So, um, so you're going to, well, if we have an Expo East, I will see you at Expo East. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we do. I, I hope really we do. do, too. It's just, it's hard. Yeah, and I, you know, and I don't know if Expo East is going to be big like Expo West because there was no West, you know. It's kind of, yeah. who knows, right? Um, yeah, I think, I think that would be very hard to pull off. Um, I agree. You know, because people, you know, with Expo West, they're planning, you know, more than 12 months in advance uh, to attend and, you know, and, yeah. you know, play, you know uh, staging their marketing plans and budgets accordingly um, based on that incredible opportunity. But I'm, what I'm really hoping is that we get to take the stage at Expo East and uh, crush it in the pitch slam. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm eager for. That's the idea. Yeah, that's the idea. So thanks so much for, for doing this. It's been great. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I could probably go on for another hour, so if you want to go for a second segment, let me know. <laughs> there you go. Well, we'll catch up with you as your launch proceeds here. Sounds great. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org. Thank you.